0: the Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Race Hour podcast brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk and of course Tony Bear all the way up to the Cheltenham Festival 2021. Um, It's myself, Dean Ryan. I'm joined by uh, obviously podcast regular and uh, Supremo Dermot Nolan. Dermot.
1: Hello, Dean. How are you?
0: Very good. Uh, not often we chat. Actually, feels like about 12 times a week now. and recording all of, our, all of our discussions, which is great. But uh, this one is a bit of a special edition because Don McLean has joined us. Uh, Don, it's great to have you, well, I should say, back on the race hour. You, you were a part of the race hour in a previous life.
2: I was, yeah. No, it's great to be back, Dean. Yeah, thanks a million for having me. It's, uh, yeah, good to catch up. And sure, what better time than a couple of weeks out from the Cheltenham Festival to start to catch up
0: exactly and that's that's why we've got you on because you know it's easy for me and and derma to tell people how we got into racing it's because we found people like you that were so dedicated to it and would talk about it and write about it everywhere it kind of gave us an insight that we maybe didn't get and uh but the, the question that we wanted to ask you i think straight off the bat really is is why are you so into horse racing don
2: yeah like um I suppose it was my granddad, you know, there's always there's always a person in your life, isn't there, that got you started or got you interested in the first place. But I do I do remember Red Rum winning his third Grand National. That's my first racing memory. And probably my first memory. Well, one of my first memories. Um so that was that was the start of it. And so that was that was seventy-seven, gives you a clue as to how old I am. And yeah, <laughs> that 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 was me as a an impressionable young kid seeing this horse and just hearing everybody talking about Red Rum and how special he was, and how you know on the day, um, when he won the Grand National, it was just phenomenal. I remember the following year in '78 when he was going, he was back to go for his his, his whatever his fourth National, and I didn't. He got a leg the the night before, the day before the race, or maybe even the morning of the race, and he was. And I heard he wasn't running. I was devastated, and I was kind of going well, what's the point in running the Grand National without red rum then, you know? It's not <laughs> yeah. Red rum, isn't it? But then, and then it kind of evolved from there. I remember Tide Cottage falling at the last in, in Alverton's Gold Cup, which was, again, pretty really devastating the Irish horse, looking like he, he was, well, at the time, I thought he was going to win the Gold Cup. Um So, yeah, they're, I, I guess they're my early memories. But my, so my granddad was a, he was into racing and into, into betting. My dad's a retired school teacher. He wasn't into, he wasn't really into racing and definitely wasn't into the betting aspect of it. Um, but then, you know, I was lucky enough to get a bit of a break into racing. So a career in racing was, you know, when I was a kid, it probably was something that I'd never even thought was possible to have, you know, the possibility to work in horse racing was just something that was so far into, you know, the realms of impossibility that I wouldn't have even dreamt that it was possible. But hey ho yeah so very one of the one of the lucky ones
0: yeah and it's it's very common that you know it's a grandfather or mm. a grandmother who, who who put 50p on the horses and had the kids staring at the tv on a saturday afternoon when they should be outside and i think that's that's a common that's a common theme interesting that red rum would you know from 77 albeit um would be the horse mine mine was desert orchid and i, I managed to go to Cheltenham festival at the age of at 9 nearly 10 and 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 Desi was everything to me once he won that gold cup and the bit of snow in the morning and you know that was that was it horse every every time Desi ran basically I was glued and I was hooked but that was I was at Cheltenham my first go your 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 kind of first memory is an entry race does that mean yeah. Aintree is, is bigger for you in the heart than Cheltenham. Because for me, Cheltenham is everything, because that's where I first started watching racing.
2: Yeah, no, like, is different, isn't it? And I suppose even now, I remember even then, like, the Grand National for me was always massive. As, as, as you rightly point out, it, was, I know, it is for everybody, I guess. It, it was always a, a massive event. And I remember even going home from school on a Friday evening on, on Grand National weekend thinking, I don't have to go to school again now until I get to see yeah. the Grand National. Uh, but no, Cheltenham was always, like even, you know, the Alberton Gold Cup, uh, mm. you know, the, the the Tide Cottage Gold Cup that wasn't and all the way through. No, the, the Gold Cup was, was, I, I guess it was, it was, it's the kind of, the, the Grand National was the one that everybody got involved in, but the Gold Cup was the one that only the guys and my mates who were into racing, and there weren't very many of us really. Un- I remember even listening to the, the Dawn Run Gold Cup at the back of the chemistry lab on a, on, a, on a transistor radio, myself and my friend. And when when she won it, we were like, yes. And the teacher was like, what's going on there? And we were like, <laughs> we're, we're listening to the Gold Cup. And he was like, he didn't, you know, and we thought we were in trouble, but he went, did Dawn Run win? You know, did she win? That was all he wanted. <laughs> to know. So, yeah, I know it was, it's, uh, you know, all those, all of them. And then, you know, I even before I was really into racing, when I was smaller, I loved horses. I always loved horses as, a, as animals. Even driving past horses in the field or seeing a horse, it was always, a, you know, there's a horse. It was a kind of a remarkable thing. And then I was lucky enough to ride a little bit as well. So, yeah, that it, it's. Um, I guess it all it all dovetailed in together. And yeah, and and uh, here we are on the eve of the 2021 Cheltenham Festival.
0: Here we are indeed. And demo. I know that we've we've talked about this before. There's there's no grandfather or grandmother in your racing kind of. Uh, preamble to get you into the game, is there? It, it was, a, it was a, a self thing that came from
1: somewhere else. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, no, nobody in my family. My my older brothers would, would just kind of, they used to work in bars the two of them, so it would have been, on Chetland Weeks, it would, you know, they were conscious of the sport, but they wouldn't have had any any real interest. Like my older brother won a competition once. You know the ones where you pick a horse in each race and you get a certain amount of points for each, and he won one once because he it was starting off on race two, and he put he he started off with his numbers on race one, so he put the wrong numbers the whole way along, but five and one, so he ended up winning the competition. And yeah, so there wasn't much of a background to me. No, I was I was seventeen. It was the morning at Cheltenham. I'd taken a year off before I went to college, and um, I was sat in a a, a doctor's waiting room because I hurt my foot playing football. And Pat Kenny was on the radio talking about Cheltenham, and I started looking up my phone, and I'd always had kind of passing interest, but never much. And Nick Luck at the time was working for Satanta and um he had a blog up on his his fancies for the day so i went in i didn't know how to fill in the bets if i didn't know anything at all but i walked in and i put a tenor win on on go native at 12 to 1 and as they say you uh you never look back and uh, our uh Nick had an unbelievable week that week. There was, It was, uh, he had 90th minute and he had uh, Vega and Weapons Amnesty. It was an unbelievable week altogether. So I was I was properly hooked from then, but I wasn't as hooked. Um, like even now, like I wouldn't be the biggest better in the world. Um, I i had a decent bet, but nothing huge. But it was more just, I found just with kind of the, the, the jockeys out thinking each other and kind of what they were all doing, I just found that so enamoring. And from that point onwards, I was properly hooked, really. Like, a, like a, I mean, my college went to death. It was to the detriment of most things, really. Like I spent most times just kind of studying racing and studying what a jockey was doing and why was that jockey doing that and everything else, and just kind of properly got myself hooked in. And then about a year afterwards, I ended up emailing um, our guest Don McLean looking for advice on a, a piece of writing I'd done, and uh Don got back to me and everything else, and
2: uh, I was I? properly hooked. Oh, that, that was nice of
1: me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you did. <do, laughs> <laughs> you did, yeah, because we used to be big fans of you on um, on Newstalk, and uh, you run off the ball at the time, and I sent you an email with a piece, and you kind of sent me back a few a few guidelines and everything else. And that's another part of our sport, though, Don and Dean, isn't it that? Uh, it's you could be big into football and your kids could be but there's very few sports where you have as much access to the stars of of our sport than than kind of any other sport really like you know if if you hang around a race course long enough you'll meet one of the jockeys more than likely there's no other sport like that really is there that's fair enough i think
0: i think that that's that's a very fair point do you know what's interesting about what you said there dem i don't think i've ever asked anyone how they got into horse racing and it started with well i had a tenner on this horse and it lost I don't think yeah, that, never, no. I don't know that's ever happened. So Go Native uh, kicked you into gear, which is. Um which is it was a great way to go about it. Shame he didn't win that champion hurdle that followed there after that because that's when I was on the Go Native train. But yeah, uh, you know t- Cheltenham is is a, is is a magical event. And when you do get hooked by that conundrum of trying to find winners for certain races that just seem to repeat and repeat, and the narrative of Cheltenham is, is so important because um, the question I was going to ask Don and, and everyone will know the answer in terms of myself and Derma because when do we start thinking about what wins at Cheltenham? Well, everyone knows because we we roll the race hour out early enough from October and it's pretty much all we talk about but Don when does it start for you does it ever stop
2: perhaps about whether this is the Cheltenham horse that's exactly it it never stops it's it's always rolling you know even even a horse in in a bumper you're thinking it going for a champion bumper you're thinking where could he go like could he be a a a supreme novice's hurdle horse or a ballymore horse or a champion hurdler or a gold cup horse and I suppose that you know that the countdown to the to Cheltenham probably begins with the previous year's Cheltenham Festival, but in and in the background then trundling away all the while is kind of, you know, looking at horses and seeing what they're capable of and what they might be capable of and in terms of um breeding, what you know, where they might go or what distance they might go over or or might they be hurdlers or might they be chasers. So yeah, I I think it it, it starts in earnest, Dean, I'd say the year before so you know the likes of Manella Inda winning the Albert Bartlett hurdle as as a fifty to one shot the year before last, you're kind of thinking, well, he looks like an RSA horse for next year, and maybe even a Gold Cup horse in future, you know. And you don't, you can't be thinking that a novice hurdler is going to be a Gold Cup horse, really. I mean, it's it's dream it's dreamland stuff to be thinking that you you've spotted a horse, or you know, connections will tell you they own or train, or have ridden a horse It could be a Gold Cup horse. That's there's only one Gold Cup winner a year. So, but you are, yeah, you're, you're, I think you're all the while looking at it. And because Cheltenham, it's so, it's so dominant, isn't it? I mean, there, there are big races and you're thinking that might be a Grand National horse or he might be a horse for the Irish Grand National. But, um, yeah, you're, you're, I guess you're all the while thinking of Cheltenham. And, you know, if a horse has proven and has run well or won at Cheltenham one year, then you're thinking going back there the following year, at least he's got, he's got that arrow in his quiver, which is, for me, it's a massive thing that is already performed at the Cheltenham Festival. So you put that into the mix. And yeah, but I think to answer your question, you're all the while on the lookout for Cheltenham Horses.
0: All the while is is exactly how, you know, I think many people would reflect on once they get bitten by that bug. It, it, it's kind of very hard to shake it, even though there'll be many races before uh, then and now. What What is interesting, I think, every, every punter I talk to, and, and I know, Don, you know, you're obviously a broadcaster and you do loads of great writing and and lots of stuff in the media but I mean you are a punter let's remember I mean people can go on your website Don McLean and uh, and 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 join a service there I mean we'd all love to be race planners wouldn't we in these yards because I, I always like to think that horse should go here here and here and then when they don't do it I get mega frustrated
2: yeah there's a bit of that all right yeah 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 uh, even especially when you back a horse for a race and then realize it's not going there or something happens in the meantime and it turns out to not go there it goes somewhere else instead um but yeah like but and, you know at the same time dean you have to trust that the people who are closest to the these horses they know them best and they know what's you know their their objective much more than yours or mine is to get the horse to achieve his best and to you know fulfill his potential or her potential and, and reach the pinnacle of, of his ability and they're going to do whatever they, they they need to do in order to to get that and that includes allowing the horse compete under optimum conditions or c- progress towards a race under in in which he may compete under optimum conditions. So yeah, I you know it it's frustrating at the same like but we're looking at lots of different horses all the time and going, I wish, you know, hope he hope he goes there, hope she goes there. But trainers and owners and riders to an extent there, you know, they have got their own horses to think of and it's a smaller it's a smaller pool of horses and you know you have to try and, and these people they 're almost to a man or woman they 're successful at what they do so if they if they 've decided that a particular race is a, is a target for a horse, then generally it 's the right decision and you know you, you or well, me anyway would have, would have put them in the wrong race
0: uh, yeah, possibly so when the two things collide when, when your judgment and their judgment matches up it 's a wonderful feeling, especially when it comes off. I wanted to ask you about. The this, the second part of the process. I mean, if you're always thinking about you know whether this horse is a Cheltenham horse and what race and where it might go, there's loads of you know, I'd say nuances to the the ideals of form study, especially around Cheltenham when it comes to the likes of trends. And I would put times in a secondary category. It's almost like the new kid on the block, and not that it's not been talked about for a long time, but timing of races and understanding the speeds that horses go on races on the same day at the same course and trying to work out who's performed best in in a microcosm. Um, how how important a trend Trends first at the Cheltenham Festival for you. You mentioned already about previous course forms, super important at that meeting. But what about trends in terms? These races have been around a long time, Don.
2: Yeah, no, they're important, Dean, for sure. No, very much so. Um, but they're only one element of it, and and times to me they're important as well. And again, an element of it. That there, there's so much. There's so much more. There's so much involved in um, trying to pick a winner or trying to pick a horse who will run well and yeah they're that like especially at the chatham festival i think trends are more important than they are well for 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 certain races trends are important and a lot of the races at the chatham festival trends are important and i I definitely do pay a a, a huge amount of attention to to trends and you know paul ferguson has this but the the weatherby's chatham festival guide that's a it's an excellent book. It's evolved over time. Yeah. Paul Jones did it beforehand, and um, it's a, uh, it's, it's brilliant as a, as a, as a trends book and as a reference book. And it's a, it's a great tool to have. They're all there in one, in one book. But, um, the it's, it's one aspect of it. It definitely is one aspect of it, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an aspect that you have to consider. And you know, now worthwhile trends, and that's important. It's not a, it's not trends that you know, a horse beginning with C has won this race twice in the last five years. It's, you know, the trends, sure. <laughs> I know that's not an extreme, but trends that are important, like, you know, the, I guess ratings bands, ages, profile of the horse going into the race, especially for handicaps, the the the, the degree to which a horse lacks experience compared with the degree to which it's unexposed and, and capable of, of going beyond its handicap rating. So all of that on times as well, like you know, as you say, and um, some some people do lots of great work on times, um, and but you can you can do some of it yourself just with a stopwatch, and especially in in national hunt racing, you can, but well, you can't get it forensically right for, with a stopwatch and a, and a video replay. But you can get ballpark figures, and they can be very useful as well. Like there was, there was at, at Navin there last weekend, there were three races run over two miles, three hurdle races run over two miles and five furlongs, and the comparative times. Of those three races are very, very interesting, and you know, and because there there is such a wide disparity in the in some of the sections from those three races, for me, it's worthwhile information, and you know, just the, the, it's just a, another tool, another element of the whole of the whole conundrum. I think. It's
0: and also they, about just, sorry, Dan, yeah.
1: It's also about not being lazy with trends, as in, like mm. sometimes there's kind of some people control out. Like remember, when Long Run was going for the Gold Cup, you know, he was the wrong age for the Gold Cup, when in fact, very few of his age had actually done. Uh, had went for it the same thing with appreciated this year for the supreme you'll you hear people saying that you know seven-year-olds don't run and uh don't don't win the supreme very very few have gone about it and the ones that have are huge prices so as as don was saying there obviously trends are a massively important element of they used to work for uh for race caller and they were uh, eugene there was massive into trends used to do the the full list of trends every week and they were really interesting reads but yeah uh, it's about just not being lazy with them and kind of knowing that whilst a certain age group in the Supreme might not have done well, but there's a reason why seven-year-olds haven't done well because they don't tend to run in the race, you know? So like, it, it's about just being as, as efficient with it as possible like everything else really, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that, and I love the idea of using them as a guide to create short lists and then go and try to back up your visual opinions that you've you've you know, you've hopefully been able to watch plenty of racing that you know these horses have taken part in, and 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 use them as handy affirmations. There's plenty of great stuff out there. You mentioned Paul Ferguson, myself and demo put quite a lot of work into the uh, the ones on bookmakers.co.uk and gambler.com and and um, but yeah, I think they're not hard and fast, but they are certainly helpful if anyone is interested in getting uh, stuck into to Cheltenham. Uh, this this time round, uh, definitely keep them in mind because they're just so important. And Don, we're, we're set up for a rather unique Cheltenham Festival. There will be no uh, crowds there this time round. And um, and one of the great things about Cheltenham uh, you know even newcomers to it will know is the roar that kicks off the meeting and the, and the atmosphere that it creates and the pilgrimage of the Irish over to uh, to Cheltenham. I mean, it, it's going to be a very unique but. Um, you know, episode of the Channel Festival, but it's still, going to the racing is is not going to be detracted from it. Do you think, or will it miss something?
2: It's definitely going to be different, Dean. Yeah, um, it'll be different for all the people who normally go and, <laughs> and won't be there for starters. No, well, I'll miss it. <laughs> I'll, uh, yeah, sure. exactly. I'm the same. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be different, and you won't have the roar. I like, look, we we we've had racing behind closed doors for quite a while now, longer than we mm. would have, probably would have wanted and um, look but fundamentally it's great that racing is going ahead it's weird like i'm one of the i'm very lucky that i can go from time to time when i'm working on racing tv and it is it is quite surreal still it's still it's hard to get used to it you know and the smaller meetings you don't you notice it a little bit but i guess you know you're kind of used to that but galway and leopards the leopards town dublin racing festival or the christmas festival like to To be there, like when Honey Suckle came back in after winning the Irish Champion Hurdle, the roar she would have got—it just would have been exactly, fantastic. Yeah. Her and Rachel Blackmore coming in, and that she was the fourth. I think the first three favorites had won three Willie Mullins horses. So with all, you know, you know, punters, as you say, they they're punters as well, as well as racing fans. So that that yeah. would have kicked in. You know, that would have been fantastic. That if if uh, if there'd been people there, anyway. Look, to, to again to answer your question, yeah, like it's 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 definitely going to be different. The racing. Looks like it's going to be as good as ever, which is great. And look, there will be fewer Irish horses there. We know that there are fewer Irish and I think it was were Irish horses thirty percent down in, in entries in the handicaps there yesterday. Yeah, thirty percent down. But um, the, the the big horses are all going to be there, Irish and British. And um, so look, the racing is going to be fantastic. I suppose one little thing to consider is a horse. You know, the a horse has performed at the Cheltenham Festival before. To me, it's it's everything. It's it's ground, it's pace, it's it's uh, the track. Obviously, the new course or the old course, but also it's the atmosphere. And if a horse has proven that he's handled everything about the Cheltenham Festival before, that's a positive. This year, you won't have the atmosphere part of it. You won't have the mm. you know the buzz. The, the and if a horse is a little bit on toes, then that could be a positive for a horse who you you might you know, be worried about getting a little bit revved up before a race. So that's maybe something small worth bearing in mind.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point because it has, it has got to horses in the past at meetings like Cheltenham where they have underperformed because of that. Or you've even gone into the race going, well, if they handle the preliminaries, mm-hmm. that they'll be okay. And that's, that won't be a factor this time around. That's, 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 a fascinating point. I mean, the big miss this year is going to be owners who everyone dreams if you own a national hunt horse, they might get to Cheltenham. And of course, no, I don't want to discount Galway or Punchestown or Aintree, but you might get to Cheltenham and, and that's going to be a huge miss for, for the likes of those certainly ones that Go and win it'll even be a, a more sour miss and there's no amateur jockeys this year as well because another thing that comes to the fore at cheltenham is that the amateurs get their day in some hugely high profile races and that's 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 a big shame too i mean if we look at just a few of these championship races this time round, um, I mean, we might as well kick off with the Gold Cup. Um, my favourite memory of, of the Gold Cup, and it, it's Desi obviously would be would be in there. But standing on the lawn when Long Run Denman and, and Corto Star came to the business end in their Gold Cup with, with the youngster pulling away. And Denman, you mentioned it before. I, I, I felt the whole, I felt the earth lift in terms of everybody was involved in either one of those um animals and that was that was a super special occasion this year's gold cup we have a you know a three peat um possibility with Album photo but there's some other horses in the mix that that do make it a fascinating renewal this time round
2: yeah no it's it's a it's a, it's shaping up to be a hell of a race and and champ i guess he he put put forward his case there in the game spirit chase at Newbury didn't he like i i, I was surprised at how well he ran i thought he ran a phenomenal race and a fantastic stepping stone to the Gold Cup, having not run all season. So he's now in the mix. I mean, I was thinking Albin Photo sets the standard, and Aplutar is the up and comer who could progress to be as good or better than him. Wouldn't I? Wouldn't rule out Manela Indo either, even on the back of a disappointed run the last day. I think he'll probably come forward from that. And uh, outside, of, I think I was thought I thought they were the three main players, but now I think with Champ with the performance that he put up, you have to. You have to put him into the mix as well. And then Royal Pagal is a fascinating contender as well. The, the 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 novice has run what ten times over fences and won of Peter Marsh chase last <laughs> time. Strange, yeah. strange profile going into a race, but he's only seven and he's an, he's another horse who could improve again. So look, it's it's a fascinating race. Um yeah, I'd, I'd go with you on that, on on the memory of uh the the Starr Star Denman long run race. That was a hell of a race. But there, you know, there've been loads down through the years. I remember Imperial Call beating one man he did, one man didn't finish second in the end but Imperial call was the horse he, he won the Irish gold cup in fact before sizing john he was the last horse to win the Irish gold cup and the Chapman gold cup and yep. he, but he was he was unproven in that grade whereas one man was the the King George winner who was who was you know the proven the proven grade one staying chaser as we thought and going down the hill on the far side over, this, over the over the the third last and fourth last fences the two of them kind of went toe to toe and interesting O'Dwyer saying afterwards that Richard Dunwoody and on and one man was kind of saying to him, don't go yet, don't go yet. You know, we're a long way out. And Conor O'Dwyer was like, I know my heart stays and we're not sure about yours. So he kicked out. He- <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. That's
0: a fantastic bit of tactical riding.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I suppose if you're riding against Richard Dunwoody and, and he's telling you to do one thing, so you definitely go do the other, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I think I think if you were a jockey and Ruby or AP yeah, said the I, same thing to you as well, you'd be like, "Yeah, thanks for that instruction. I'll, I'll, I'm on my way now." Uh, Demo, what about a great gold cup for you? I mean, I, I mentioned one, and Don echoed it that that was that that was a fascinating one because we had three kind of stars that everyone was involved in, and they were all there at the business end.
1: Yeah, mine was. Um, I loved Don Klosak his whole career, but just that Don Klosak win that time, I thought it just capped. One ended up being one of the most like one of the most kind of poetically perfect jump season. I mean, you'd notice Morris after losing his son, he won two Grand Nationals that season. Brian Cooper was getting a, a barrage of abuse and he ended up winning the gold cup then and gave an absolutely perfect ride that day. And I don't care what any cue card fan says, they he wasn't beating <laughs> Don Cossack that day. And um I think Don Cossack would have won the King George that season as well. But it was just, you know, Ruby Walsh won and any power that That year, Annie Power finally put that kind of hoodoo of of Cheltenham behind her, and it was really a season of kind of of retribution that year. It was just kind of the perfect season in my mind, just with as a story. The whole the whole season was was really spot on, and um, everything kind of worked out as as you would have wanted. And but the one note I have for kind of for this season, and I'm not sure whether anyone else has noticed it. I think it's quite poor from from kind of racing's point of view in that we're talking about the old greats there and, you know, some absolutely brilliant stories. But, like, Albin thought going for a for a in a row now. And there's no buzz being created at all about it. And I understand we're in COVID. I understand that, you know, everything else. But we're three weeks out from a grand National. It, it, it's, or sorry, from the day. From the Cheltenham Festival, and it's stories like this that capture the the wider public, not anything else really. You know, it's 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 kind of tennis was falling away until Roger Federer and Rafa Nadal were taking each other on, and snooker's audience would would blip if it wasn't for kind of Ronnie Sullivan raging through every now and then. And I know the kind of general public haven't grabbed onto Album Photo because he runs so little, but that's not his fault. That kind of first season, his his campaign was a fluke, really. He was meant to run the Irish Gold Cup and the ground was just kind of too hard for him. But like Album Photo's going for a three in a row. It's a wonderful story with, with um, horses kind of queuing up to beat him. And there's not a single marketing campaign around the place. I kind of think that's a bit poor as well then. Is it
0: because he's a hard horse to love? We don't see him often enough, Don.
2: I think he, for whatever reason, Dean and Dermot, yeah, he, he just hasn't got into the public psyche, has he? And, and, and it might be because we haven't, we don't see him very often. Um, which is, it's, it's, it's a shame that he doesn't, he isn't in the, in, in the, he's not, he's not a loved horse by the public as such, is he? That's, that's probably the issue. But no, it's a, I fully agree with Dermot. It's a, it's a phenomenal. Um, well, A, it's a phenomenal achievement. He's, he's what well, he's won two gold cups now. He's only there's Kato one won two, but not consecutively. Um, mm-hmm. Scargo won two, Best Mate won three, and then you go back to Arkell. Isn't that it? That's that's the, they're the only yeah, that's ones who have won more than once in Arkell. So it's, fanta- it's a phenomenal achievement to win two, and exactly as you said, you know, the first year he was supposed to go in the Irish Gold Cup, he missed that, he went straight from the Savills Chase at Tremor to Cheltenham, and then that proved so successful. William Mullins said, I'm going re- to do that again, and he did. And then this year, same again, Savills Chase, Gold, Gold Cup, but you know, I suppose you know best mate Henry Knight was often castigated for not running him more often but sure if she'd run him more often he wouldn't have won three gold cups probably so yep. if, you, if your goal is to win a gold cup and <laughs> Willie Mullins went so close and had so many heartaches in the gold cup before he finally won one and whatever formula worked to win one he's going to repeat that formula that's for sure and he's right to do so so but you know Alvin it he does set the standard, but yeah, I suppose there's, there's been a little bit about him, hasn't it? but probably not as much as you would have hoped, because, you know, maybe people, yeah, maybe more needs to be made of the fact that he's, he's bidding to become only the second horse since Arkle to win three Gold Cups in a row.
1: It's a race, yeah. that, it's a race oh. that breaks horses, like, you know, as in, like, it's a race that in the past, Don Cossack never came back from his gold cup. Bob's Worth was never the same horse after. Imperial Commander was never the same horse after. Long Run was never the, kind of, quite the same after that. And like for a horse, regardless of how many runs he's had, Alvin Photo is is doing something exceptional. And it's something that was the horse racing public might have grabbed onto it, the general public at the moment are kind of looking to grab onto anything positive at the moment <laughs> because of how life is so i just think it's a bit of an goal from the hri and from the, the bha and everyone involved that there isn't some sort of a marketing campaign or tv commercials or whatever about this this kind of grey white hope trying to repeat um history because whilst best mate he might have intoxicated we had a night there was still like adoration for the horse and you know the big cheer A Sheldon firm. And it's just a pity that something so magical like this could happen and it just won't be the same kind of um, buzz about.
0: Yeah. uh, Do you know what I think, Demo, is that, that the name is so unrelatable album photo whereas when best mate was doing it, it was everybody's <laughs> best mate and I, I know it sounds like a small thing right but if you were going to go and blast album photo out to the masses you're going to have to do it with the horses that came before him you're going to have to go with Arco, you're going to have to go with best mate and say this is the new thing oh and his name's album photo and I, that sounds like you know a bit weird a bit w- weird way to tack it but everyone loved best mate mainly because you know the, the name was so relatable and for these for these once a year punters that do come in around the Cheltenham Festival and likes the Grand National it's very helpful so I don't know what the history is with the name but if you've been called something like Best Mate I think there might be more of a of a jamboree about them which is sad really but I think we will get a bit more of a buzz around it It's just probably going to come in the next few weeks as the Cheltenham Festival draws really close. And that might just be a little bit too late. I'm going to move on from the gold cup though, because I wanted to talk about the, the champion hurdle. And uh, again, I'll kick you off with it with a race that lives long in the memory. And hopefully for many people who, who listen to, to these podcasts and, yeah, how to use this and Bray Vinka. And again I'm on the lawn at the Cheltenham festival and I I see Carbury sitting uh, you know, emotionless on on Archibald, and I think we've done it. This is it. This is going to win and now he's going to win on the bridle which is even better than ever. Uh, Don, you remember that race I'm sure. Um uh, it doesn't matter how many times you, you watch it back. <laughs> uh, how 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 did he not win?
2: Yeah, it's uh it's it's uh, one of those ones that you always remember isn't it like you just but I think um you know, he was, Harshable was one of those, not that we're talking, we need to dwell too long on Harshable, but he was one of those horses who I, I thought he got a, an unfair rap. I think he was a horse who did all that he needed to do on the bridle and then whenever Paul Carberry asked him for more, mm. he'd given it all. So, uh, I don't think he's a horse who, who, who chucked it or who didn't didn't want to go on. I thought he was just a horse who, you know, th- did it all on the bridle and did all that he could do on the bridle and then, when and I suppose, taking on Hardy Eustace, the, the strength, his strength and his kind of tenacity and, um, up up to Cheltenham Hill, he was a phenomenal racehorse. I remember when when I learned that Hardy Uses was going for the Champion Hurdle in 2004, thinking, well, that that's just bananas. I thought he might go for the Stairs Hurdle or maybe the Carl Cup, but mm. Desi Hughes for De- the late Desi Hughes, he was again. We're back to that. Well, we were talking about at the start, Dean trainers knowing their horses better than we think we know them and targeting at the, at the right races and getting the results out of them. Um, but yeah, look at the There's been have been phenomenal champion hurdles. I can remember the Monksfield Sea Pigeon battles. I obviously wasn't there. I was a small a small person at home watching it on telly. But obviously we were we were in the Monksfield camp, always shouting for Monksfield. The size of him, he was a tiny little terrier. And um, but though like those those days, Night Nurse and Monksfield and Bird's Nest and Sea Pigeon and um you know the the, the ride that John Franken gives Sea Pigeon to win. Then the, he was I think he was 11 whenever he won his last or his last champion hurdle they were great days and you know they were, that was a kind of a golden area of hurdlers I'm not I'm not old enough to remember Car- comedy of errors and Lanzarote the year that went before but then it was replicated wasn't it with Hardy Eustace and Hartwell and Max Joy who never won one and Brave Inca who yep. beat yep. Max Joy in the following year's champion hurdle so yeah no that was a that was a fantastic era for two mile hurdlers.
0: It certainly was. And um, I think there's an argument there. I think you made it, Don, and is is that Hodgeball was perhaps even, even more genuine than the other ones, even though people might crib him uh, for not being that. Demo, best champion hurdle for you? Best
1: champion hurdle for me, just for how much I absolutely love the horse, because obviously that but that would have been a small bit before my time, was I just always really admired Hurricane Fly for the fact that you always got the sense that maybe Cheltenham wasn't exactly his track and the year that he regained his um, his champion hurdle was just... A phenomenally tough performance because he he looked in trouble and just for him to I always just thought he showed his absolute class and that I don't think Cheltenham was 100% his his race course or his bag and he was still able to pull out uh, what he did so I just thought that that champion hurdle was always something quite special.
0: When when he beat uh, Peddler's Cross, and again I'm going to highlight another defeat of mine. It shows you the merits of my punting, doesn't it? <laughs> I was absolutely convinced it, it couldn't be done. You can't beat Peddler's Cross, but Hurricane Fly was a it was a, an unbelievable horse, and uh, you make you broke him that there as well, didn't he? Ah, completely, and. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just two two wonderful horses. But that's what the champion hurdle can deliver. And when you look at this year, Don, uh, the mares have come to the fore. This is this is a relatively new thing for a champion hurdle. We had any Power recently, but this is a relatively new thing. And it, it, could they possibly even be, they, you know, they'd look to dominate now?
2: Yeah, no, I think I think it's just the happenstance, Dean. Really, that two fantastic hurdlers have uh, mares have come along at the same time. Um, I think before any Power, you had to go back to Flicky Dove, wasn't it? Like you know, back in the nineties was the last merit. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um.
2: So yeah, no, it's and Epitant obviously won it last year, and she's got her hurricane, <laughs> hurricane Fly. She's got honeysuckle to deal with this year. So yeah, no, it's it's phenomenal. Um, that they're they're both going into the race and that they both get seven pounds from the gelding. So, uh, I guess what they've done, all they've done so far, they have been getting the seven pounds. So it's it's not it's not any more of an advantage than they've had all along. But I you know I think even without the seven pounds, it's still probably be first and second in the market and deserve to be so um i think honeysuckle is probably a deserving favorite isn't she like she's what she did in the irish champion hurdle like i was kind of thinking the irish champion hurdle because she wasn't so impressive in winning it last year i was thinking she was a two and a half miles was her optimum trip and i thought they were the henry De bromhead and kenny alexander were right to run her in the stare in the mayor's hurdle last year over two and a half because kenny alexander had never had a Cheltenham festival winner and he just you know given you know a horse who could win a champion hurdle, but who was gonna be second favourite, challenging for favourite in the mayor's hurdle, it's the right race for her over what looked like her optimum trip. But I've had to revise that opinion after the Irish Champion hurdle because she was brilliant. She showed like the the surge the that she that she that she showed the injection of pace at the third last flight and then the way that she eyed up the second last, pricked her ears, pinged it, and then scooted off around the bend. And she just came away from Abigail and in Rachel Blackmore, she is the perfect partner. I think she they obviously know each other so well. She's never been beaten. She's run ten times now under rules, ten wins, and yeah, there's every chance she'll make it eleven from eleven at Cheltenham. I think it's you know they they to go for the champion hurdle this year on the back of that performance, and I think she's the one they all have to beat. Even even I think even last year's winner, she she still she has to get up, I, I think up her game again to beat Honey Suckle.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, you are you are preaching to the converted on this podcast, on because yeah, right. Dermot and myself are the are the founding members of the Honeysuckle Fan Club. Even when you know she she hadn't done anything super special. Now we've been uh, we've been uh, we've been uh, on that road that for a long year, time. That year,
1: Dean, that she didn't make the mayor's novice hurdle, we were absolutely devastated. We were on at some prices.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had a phone call from my bank manager the minute that uh, she she was not going to make it. <laughs> and uh, uh, are you sure? Are you sure you're in the right mind? So yeah, that was that was uh, an unfortunate one. But my God, Dermot. She has uh, improved all ends because neither of us thought the Irish Champion Hurdle this time would be uh, would be a place where she could deliver a performance like that.
1: No, like it, it was phenomenal, and it was also just just the kind of the grit and the the kind of pure moxie of um, of Rachel Blackmore. Like she, she to to go for it at that point in the race, you kind of looked at them and went, God, she's gone very early, but she just knew what Honeysuckle. So was under her because I still maintain that um, she would have beaten Benny to do regardless of what rides both of them got last year. Honeysuckle Suckle just tends to kind of leave herself a small bit to to finish with. She, she, she kind of tends to wander a bit at the end, but she didn't even do that at Leperstown. She was in the absolute form of her life. Um, the one thing that really interests me this year is the, the pace angle to this race now in the the champion hurdle Dean. i mean you've got Goshin, in tower silver streak honeysuckle likes to be up there epiton somewhat likes to be up there as well and um there's an awful lot of speed now because like i know abracadabra was beaten that day by honeysuckle i think honeysuckle is obviously the most likely winner but i still think there's an each-way angle in with um because jack kennedy in the irish champion hurdle he was a bit of a hostage to the to the pace he he was kind of cut out but there's nothing he can do on that horse because you have to come lay with him so i think abracadabra and and the likes of Isharja as well come into the champion hurdle now because you've got such a ridiculously strong pace up front that it could just kind of lead to a horse like that because Abercadabras, the way he travelled through that Supreme last year in a strong pace will really suit. And the ground drying, hopefully, which it does look like it might, that would bring him, him further into it as well. But definitely from a win point of view, honeysuckle. And it could end up, I think, being the kind of one-two from the Irish champion hurdle could end up fighting it out in the uh, in the champion hurdle.
0: Yeah could could well be that way i mean the, the the uk animals you know potentially have to step forward as goshen did uh recently and entered the picture there so maybe it's not all female domination in the champion hurdle, but what a race we have to look forward to um seven pounds allowance or not uh they, they're two absolutely superb uh, mares at the top of it i'm going to kind of jump a little bit and go to the stairs hurdle and throw some of the, the kind of more famous names out there that mean plenty to me and the likes of barracuda ingles driver and of course big bucks who who made kind of the staying division his own for so long that almost put a damper on the division that there was just nothing good enough to take him on this year Don, different story isn't it we are, we were already into round three of two very talented stayers
2: yeah yeah no it's uh i suppose it, it's a it's a fairly open race isn't it um but yeah no it's again it's a race like like all of them they're, they're all these championship races, they're steeped in history and you know the old the old BPC footage and the Pedro Sullivan commentaries and yeah, the big books was a phenomenon. Um yeah, it's it's a kind of it's an open race. Uh, I think Time Hill brings he's the improving horse, isn't he? And between him and and Paisley Park, they've they've reversed places from the the long distance hurdle at Newbury to the long Walk Hurdle at Ascot. And you can understand why they're they're top of the market. Um but I don't think it's as as straightforward as that. I think Sir um, Deverley is obviously a player. Flooring Porter might be a wee bit underrated. Gavin Cromwell's horse, who it just I'm not sure that he's got the recognition that he deserves. I think his wins win the last day at Leperstan. It was a really good ride by Jonathan Moore to get him out. A, 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 a man who was riding his first Grade One winner as well. But he's only he's only sixth. Flooring Porter, like he's a horse who he's probably improved. Well, he obviously has improved dramatically, but I'm not sure that. He's got the recognition that he 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 was due for um for the improvement that he's shown. And yeah, Fury Road was my idea, but I think there's a wee chance he might not go there now, isn't it? After he, he got beaten by Beacon Edge at at, uh, at Navin yep. the other day. Um didn't I think didn't Gordon say that he might not go and and I think Eddie O'Leary said that he might go. So, we still don't know. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: And, and if we throw our two pence in, we'll just be wrong.
1: <laughs> so well, like, just
2: but, like, he, he beat Time Hill in the Albert Bartlett Hurdle last year, and he's a yeah. bigger price than him. So, that, you know, I, I know Time Hill didn't really have a run of the race, and he got squeezed out a bit on the run to the final flight, but Fury Road didn't have a run through the race either. He didn't have the ideal run through the race. He had to go a bit wider than ideal, and he was, he had to make his challenge on the far side. And, yeah, I think... um. I think if he were to take his chance he'd be he'd be the one he'd be the value of the race for me
0: well yeah i mean you can just make that comparison what a race that was last year at the mm. festival as well with those with monkfish latest exhibition fury road and time hill what little did we know at the time that i mean we obviously we thought they were all good horses but my word they have uh, they've stepped to the fore and fury road could be the underrated one there, uh, Dermo, a, a, a favourite Stayers hurdle. I mean, this this year's race is shaping up to be perhaps, as Don alluded to, a little bit more open than the, the two horse race I build as.
1: Yeah, hundred so. percent. My favourite, um, the favourite Stayers hurdle for me was the one where Voluntary Death looked like she had uh, Cavaga beaten and Arison Cavaga beaten, uh, big bucks beaten, and big bucks yeah. to pull out a bit more because I always loved that the uh, Ruby Walsh went because he wanted the uh, big bucks, the eyeball. Bowler I think it was Andrew Lynch was on board that day and um, Andrew Lynch didn't allow that to happen he switched as well as soon as he saw Ruby switching so then Big Bucks was on his own on the far side and whilst obviously Big Bucks did end up winning I just thought it was a great ride from Andrew Lynch and if he gave his mayor the absolute best chance of winning I thought it was an absolutely superb race Um, but this year's, this year's fair is hard like I, I like Time Hill um, but from an each-way point of view, I, I just think the uh, storyteller is improving an awful lot. And I have a theory when it comes to that pretense last year and that I don't think there's anything between him and Sarah de Burley. Um, I think last year when you watched that that uh, pretense back, and I could be wildly wrong here, but Barry Garrity is, is is at Sarah de Burley from after the second last to chase down the uh, storyteller. And when Sarah de Burley meets the last... Uh, basically off the bridle but he has full of momentum with him whilst david russell is kind of he's on the bridle with the storyteller and he's just getting that horse going and we've learned this year through keith dunne winning a grade one and in, in the irish gold cup the storyteller takes a few strides to kind of get going so i always thought last year leaving that race you know, not that david russell is anything wrong he gave that horse a brilliant ride but just that the storyteller might kind of want roasting along a small bit more early and uh, a small bit earlier even perhaps and uh, but i think the storyteller is just mad that that a 10-year-old is continuing to improve like he is. And I just think a 20-to-1, to one, the storyteller, does look a decent each-way price, considering how much that he absolutely loves Sheldon.
0: Shows you just how open uh, this year's stayers could be. And uh, and it does certainly whets the appetite. I mean, I'm going to tackle one more of the, the the kind of championship races at the festival, and that's the champion chase. Now, if I throw names uh, around like Moscow Flyer, uh, Edredon blair and... Um, well, sprinter, of course, sprinter sakra And um, we could have a moment, Don, this year before we talk about, um, you know, the favourite in in Chakra and Poussoua, and and that one having a crack at Cheltenham after, you know, just coming out on the day last year. Um, Altior could deliver the moment of the festival, but how far fetched is that? Yeah, uh,
2: yeah. I think it's. <laughs> I don't think it's far fetched. I think it's unlikely. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, I just. Don't like he had it's, it's it's some it's some leap of faith now. I mean, it'll be some training performance by Nicky Henderson to, to get him back after the, the his performances. I just think that you know he's 11 now and look, the Moscaflower is the last 11 year old to win a champion chase and he's the only one since I think he's the only one since SkyMass so um, it's it's going back. It's it's not to say that. Altior is not a phenomenal two mile chaser and is not in the in the Moscow Flyer category because he you, you have to put Altior in that kind of bracket the sprinter soccer Moscow Flyer Viking flagship you know that that type of masterminded, that type of elite group of two mile chasers and for me Moscow Flyer was a little bit ahead but anyway um i just think to brit to get back as an 11 year old and win a champion chase and especially if Shakan Preswa gets there in the form that he's been in all season um yeah i think it's a it's a big ask
0: it is. It is a big ass. Something I'd love to see, and I'm totally biased, which Dean, I think you're Dean allowed. Dean
2: was to praying there, Don,
1: that you'd you'd give a confident selection now behind behind Altior, because he has he's yet to meet someone who has. <laughs>
0: All right. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Uh, look, the best years are behind Altior, but don't don't put it past uh, the the horse and Nicky Henderson to do something uh, spectacular. But, but like he's,
2: he's he's an eight to one shot, Dean. You know he's, he's still second favorite behind Chacon Perrois. Exactly, and oh, does
0: yeah. that tell you then? Does that tell you, Don, that Chakran Pourswa really just has a little bit of history to beat? Needs to turn up in the same form, and Chakram Pourswa can start putting his name in, into the books.
2: Oh yeah, I like Chakram I, I think he's you know deserves to be as short as he is, but I, don't, I just I don't think Altior is. I I still think he's he's a he's a much loved horse and he's fashionable still, and I think he's he's i actually think altior is shorter in the market than he should be but that's a reflection of yes. obviously his talent and the esteem in which he's held by the public um i i just think on on what he's done his, his run at kempton was quite disappointing i know Nubia negro has now suddenly jumped into the picture but it, it was a disappointing run by altior you know he's he was tried over further that kind of we were heading for the king george 2 years ago 3 years ago Yep. Two years, mm-hmm. um, sorry, sorry, last season they were heading for the King George, weren't they? It was last season, um, and now to come back to two miles, like, and, and again, it's we we talked about stats at the very start of the of the of, the, of, the, of our piece here, at Dean. And age mm-hmm. for me is a stat. It's a it's an important stat at Cheltenham. Older horses just there comes a point when they're not as good as they were, and they're just not able to perform to the level that is required at Cheltenham and there's a chance that Altior has reached that point now. You know, it's not on it's not beyond the bounds and Moscow Flyer did it as an eleven year old too. But Moscow Flyer was a phenomenal eleven year old. And Altior mean, you know, he may he may well do it, but he may and he may he may well be in that Moscow Flyer category to emulate Moscow Flyer would be a fantastic achievement, but I I think you would want more than eight to one about him given the evidence that we have.
0: And that's just not going to happen because the public no. were gonna ru- are going to row in behind Altior if he's fit and well on the day. And Nicky Henderson always gives you something to latch onto in terms of positivity around Altior. I think so. Um, I'm I'm really looking forward to it, and I I really rate Shaquen Bosuah. And if he goes and does it, I think it's great because to have the uh, the, you know, the the lameness appear on the day last year really robbed that race, and it got robbed elsewhere, of course, with no Altior in and then and Deffy uh, running uh, way below par. So. I'm looking forward to the champion chase in that way. And I just love it to happen, which brings me on to longevity. And let's talk about um, jumps racing as a whole here. The beauty of, of jumps racing that is perhaps missing in the flat. And I'm sure this is a, is a well-worn tale Don, but the fact that I could enjoy Altior as a novice hurdler, fancy that horse to win a Supreme and it does, and then watch it just go through a career of just winning and winning and winning. And every year, you know, Altior is going to run. And, um, that's the kind of magic that comes with the jumps racing um, calendar, the stages of career, the kind of progress that you see from three, four, five, six, all the way up to even 11-year-olds as we're talking about now. You don't get that in flat, and I think that's why jumps racing is um, is a, a far more loved pursuit.
2: Yeah, no, I, I, I fully agree with that. I suppose that in recent years, flat race horses are running, like it used to be the case of when when I was growing up, if if you won the Derby, you were gone to stud. You know it, it, it was if you if you performed as a three year old, you just didn't run as a four year old. But that's becoming um that's that's not automatically the case anymore, and especially with Mares. Shall we saw with Enable? You know how long she went on and sure and magical as well. And, you know when when Mares perform, obviously the the opportunity cost of keeping them in training for another season is not, obviously not as great as the opportunity cost of keeping a a, a cold training for another season as a four-year-old, but I, that that said, and there's a little bit of you know national hunt racing horses maybe being campaigned more sparingly than they were in the past, which um you know that that you know I I guess maybe we look at the past through rose tinted glasses and think the Desert Orchid ran every Saturday afternoon. He didn't, <laughs> but uh, he probably you know he ran more often than the stars of of the current crop of national hunt horses do. But yeah, and 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 now more than before a generation ago people start with the Cheltenham festival and work back don't they so you run you run before Christmas and then maybe you run at Christmas and a lot of Cheltenham horses don't run again between Christmas and Cheltenham and if they run at all they run once so you know it's not the it's not the these stars every running in handicaps every Saturday afternoon on soft ground. We just don't get that. We yeah. probably never did. Maybe we were looking at things through into that, as I say back to the past. But that said, it's the it's the it's the it's the annual occurrence, isn't it? It's the fact that they keep coming back. And exactly as you say, Dean. Like when Florida Pearl wins the Champion Bumper, you think right, and he goes on, and okay, he didn't even run over hurdles. And then RSA Chase the following year, the Sun Alliance Chase. And then Gold Cup and Irish Gold Cup and King George a couple of years later, you know. So you get exactly you get these horses that you just latch on to. And like war of attrition, he he ran, he, he got beaten, didn't he? Just got beaten the neck, I think, or a head by Brave Inc in the Supreme Novices Hurdle, and then he was back the next year around the article, and then the following year he won the Gold Cup. So you can plot there. Their their, their their paths the paths of their careers through the races that they're running and exactly with you know with Envoy Allen, he wins a champion bumper he wins all his four bumpers then he wins his four hurdle races goes unbeaten still as a chaser so and and it's brilliant to be able to plot the the paths of these horses and yeah as you say it's it's harder to do in the flat because you're not guaranteed that they're going to stick around whereas with national Hunt horses you know that they are and you can legitimately all things being equal and as long as wear hair and as long as they remain sound and healthy you can think about what they might be doing in in a year or two or even three years time so yeah no it's it, it it is it is fantastic and that's the that's the type of longevity that it does foster
0: you make a good point about the some of the flat horses sticking around a bit longer we've had some very sporting owners with some very good horses in recent years doing exactly that and i think that's actually helped um the flat game to retain um perhaps a bigger prominence in, in the public psyche, certainly with horses like Franco and Enable, as you mentioned. And I, I think it's really, really important. And, you know, I, I used to say that, you, you know, if you're a jumps racing fan, you're a racing fan for life. If you're a flat racing fan, you might only be one for a couple of seasons because if you miss the new kids on the block, then maybe you don't get hooked again. But, you know, I wanted to, to move this on to um, what's going to happen at this year's Cheltenham Festival in terms of Irish domination, Don. I used to go to Cheltenham and I'm sure you would have been – um involved in it working or or otherwise when when the irish went over maybe one banker and the whole week hung on a certain horse like an istabrak getting the job done so the irish didn't go home potless and they tried to fiddle around with the uk form to find all the other winners it's the complete opposite these days
2: it is yeah yeah i know it is like in the 80s sure we know that the only only for galmoy there would there would have been no Irish winners at Cheltenham in 87 or 88 and then in 89 when oh, nice, Galmoy got beaten by Russell in the stairs hurdle there were none there were no Irish trained winners which I know 1989 it's, it's a while ago now but it, it, as you say Dean it's not that long ago that we were having three and maybe two or three or four winners at the Cheltenham Festival and then they introduced the bumper so that the Irish could be guaranteed <laughs> anyway, yeah which was great um, and <laughs> Yeah, I know. Look, what's happened now, it's fantastic. You know, You know, we know the reason. Back then, the Irish, they bred the horses and the British came over with the checkbooks and bought them and they were trained in England, even though a lot of those horses who are winning at Cheltenham, even though they were trained in England, they were bred in Ireland. Whereas now with, you know, the, 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 the owners that we have in the game um, and the trainers as well, the, the, a, a lot of the of the top class Irish bred horses are remaining in Ireland and some French bred or even British bred horses are here too. Um, but no, it's like to back back in, in, in the 80s, if you've been told that there will come a day when there will be more Irish trained winners at Shelton than there are British trained winners, you, you couldn't believe that. It's, it's, uh, it's been a fantastic turnaround. But it does reflect the, the quality of, of, of the horses here, the quality of the trainers, the quality of jockeys and the, 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 the sporting owners that we have as well. To have horses in training here, and it's uh, the prize money that's here as well that, that fosters that. And then you know when we have we have Irish horses here, and the, you know, like the the degree to which Willie Mullins and Gordon Elliott have dominated Cheltenham in the last three or four or five years is just it, it was unimaginable, wasn't it? Not too long ago.
0: Oh, totally, totally. Demo um, in the in the early part of this podcast said that you know the first bet he had at the Cheltenham Festival was was actually an Irish winner, and it was trained by Noel Meade. I mean, these things were rarities until, mm-hmm. but that's actually what, what kicked him off there. And I just I just think it's fascinating now. And it looks like you know the the, the talent was always there, and if it could, it moved to the UK. And now that the the money situation is levelled up, um, we still have very big operations in the UK that still can't seem to compete there'll be one or two great white hopes for the UK but I mean the the races that are going here the betting is is suggesting around 19 to 20 winners and it could be more Don
2: yeah yeah no it's a very strong team and um it's the season it's it's been a funny season here hasn't it because Willie Mullins had a brilliant Christmas and a brilliant Dublin Racing Festival Gordon Elliott was very very strong at the start of the season then didn't have a great Christmas had a slightly better well, I think he only had only one winner. I think Calyxus was the only winner at the Dublin Racing Festival. But his horses now, like he yeah. forwarded there on Sunday, they're now kicking into gear. Henry de Bromhead has just been strong the whole season. He's just been, you know, top class horses, winning, winning really good races and running well all season. Joseph O'Brien, Noel Meade, Jessica Harrington, you know the, 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 the and, and then a lot, lots of smaller trainers as well, like you know people, people who the resurgence of Malise Morris. Peter Fahey, you know people like that, Jonathan Sweeney, people who who have a couple of horses. It's um, the it's it's been a season like that, hasn't it? Like where a lot of the smaller trainers or the you know outside the top four or five trainers have done very very well with 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 a, with a good few horses. So I think it's been a it's been a fantastic season so far, and all all of that, you know, in the context of the Cheltenham Festival, it yeah just gives Irish trainers collectively a really strong hand
0: certainly does demo you remember that myself and yourself were involved in the kind of marketing of the press cup right if you had it this year what would you do with it <laughs> you could
1: just uh just wave an irish flag yeah it probably wouldn't have been that hard to find an irish captain this year anyway um DM, <laughs> DM. but yeah right. it's just scary strong because i like, just when you run through like even the the list of winners like it's it's only 2,000 that there was only three Irish winners, you know, de Bay, Bracken, and, and Joe Cullen, you know, and it just seemed to really kick on there afterwards. And it's, um, it's been phenomenal. These things do come in cycles, but just even with the Morons now arriving into the Gordon Elliott yard and, um mm-hmm. just all these owners just kind of seem to be sending their horses that way. And it's, it, it's been a phenomenal season overall, but just how strong these, these Irish trainers are. it It's quite scary. And just, is it, is it great for the game to have all these kind of winners spread around? I mean, like the the Presbyterian Cup could become Gordon, Ellie, Willie Mullins and against everyone else, really. You know, uh, we we'll might end up that way soon. Do you think it's great for the game?
0: We might end up with a Ryder Cup situation, you mean, Demo, where it's like Gordon and Willie versus the rest of the world.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah literally.
0: <laughs> I think it's cyclical. I don't know whether it's great or good. The horses are, are their own, you know, they don't necessarily have to come from from a certain yard i don't know what don thinks i mean this this cycle will
2: probably evolve
0: again at some point Don.
2: yeah no look i i do i think it's it's good I, I think it's great that there as well as willie mullins and gordon elliott there are also and henry de brumhead is you know there the, obviously you know he's he's keeps on getting stronger and uh, yep i think it's great that there are other trainers who are winning good races as, you know as you mentioned there i think that's good and i yeah i i, I I think, as well as you know, as we've discussed before, I think it, it 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 is cyclical. Cyclical, like when when Manchester City or Liverpool are winning the championship every year, you you can't see a point at which it's not <laughs> going to be the case. You know, when yeah. Steve Davis is winning the World Championship every year, you can't see a, a year when he won't win it because he's just so dominant. And you know, don't <laughs> when Dublin win the All Ireland, although that might not end <laughs> 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 very very soon. Hopefully,
1: hopefully Don, Please God, yeah. it soon, yeah.
2: <laughs> but you, know, you know what i mean when you're in the middle of of, of domination or or a, a, a tilt in the balance of power it's hard to see how it's going to change but we know from history inevitably it does change so i think we should just enjoy the the, the fact that Irish horses are doing so well these days yeah yeah that's
1: that's very fair and there is some brilliant young trainers around ireland as well the likes of matthew smith and stuff as well these these lads are very are well able. And as Keith Dunne, who was telling his bookmakers.co.uk blog, a lot of trainers like Matthew Smith are only a few owners away from being up there as well, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. And they're being brought along on the wave, aren't they? Because prize money is good, interest is high, and, um, and there's some great things going on in Irish jumps racing. So hopefully they do get carried on on that wave I mean she mentioned like said Gavin Cromwell and people like that who ha- who have you know the ammunition when they have it in their hands they're able to do something very special with their horses uh, Don uh, just you mentioned you know that Manchester City dominated you know, when Alteor was dominating champion chasers so you could just not imagine that you'd ever lose one um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: you, have, you have to let this go, in
0: <laughs> I, I'm going to stop there I'm going to stop there because we, we need to wrap this up But um, Don I was going to I'm going to ask you a, a couple of final points before we do, we do let you go and it's been it's been great to have you on uh, the race hour uh, once again. But um, a piece of advice for someone maybe just newly coming to the Cheltenham Festival, maybe they've seen a Gold Cup or a few things before, but uh, something that's stood you in good stead over the years. and I'm sure we've mentioned a few of them in, in this podcast. But if you have one piece of advice, you know, over the, the four days as it is now, at the Cheltenham
2: Festival, what would, you, what would you say? From a betting perspective, is it, team? I think so, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I I think, um, look, there's, there's no, there's no limit to the amount of work you can do in studying races at the Chatham Festival, or I, I guess any races, but at Chatham in particular. So, um, to refine it down, uh, look, we mentioned course form. I think previous form at the Chatham Festival is very, very important. And it's a fact, I mean, it is, it is factored into odds these days, but, um, maybe, maybe not completely to the extent that it should be. Um. Yeah, like I, I think that's probably one thing that uh, people should always like form form at different tracks. To me, anyway, it's not as important as form at previous Shotland festivals. Even good runs. I mean, that's that's my starting point for the for the following years. Shotton Festival is last year's last year's cheltenham festival
0: yeah do you know my favorite section in the racing post on on cheltenham race days on the festival days is that section and i believe they still do it where you could just see how the horses ran at last year's cheltenham festival if you're looking for an early pointer mm-hmm. that's a fascinating place to start isn't it because it tells you where they finished how they ran what happened to them and and it, it it kind of solidifies that that moment i think
2: and and you know what if you can at all and if you know i know time is is tight and people are busy but um try to watch I always try to watch last year's Chatham Festival before this year's Chatham festival all, all all races because you'll see horses running there that you've forgotten ran at the Chatham Festival and it's you know for nothing else if if for nothing else it's a, it's just it's just a it's great to refresh your memories go and to remember the races and how they panned out and you know you might see something that maybe a horse was unlucky that you hadn't really noted at the time. You know, it's it's enjoyable, if nothing else, but it also can be a good indicator to, you know, horses that are going to run now at at the festival this year.
1: It is. No, that's that's a brilliant piece of advice because I actually did that last week, Don. And my eyes were on the boss's Oscar the whole way through that Martin Pipe hurdle. But if you actually watch it back, Boss's Oscar is not the most unlucky horse in that race. It's actually a horse called Mill Green. And I'm probably giving away one of my handicap puns here. But anyway, um, he could be a huge prize at the Chapman Festival. And Mill Green had a young jockey called Joe Anderson on his back. I just never picked him up because at the time I was watching the Bosses Oscar. And the Boss's Oscar comes from a different parish. But Mill Green comes from behind him and finishes sixth uh, about half a length behind him, and just as Don said, the first two times I watched that race, I never picked it up, and it was only the last day when I watched it back again, and you can see that Indefatible is beside him. Joe Anderson, young Joe Anderson, he'd be a good jockey in time, but this wasn't his his finest moment. But I don't like flagging off uh, conditional jockeys. But um, Joe sits and sits and sits. indefatible has gone. This horse, like Mill Green, makes up a street. And um, that wouldn't have been something that I would have seen had I not watched that race again. So that that is Rock Solid advice.
2: All right, that's the first yeah. race I'm going to watch now from last year's show. <laughs> yeah, do do just, just watch him at the very
1: the, at the very this last uh, dawn. He's he sits, young Joe Anderson does, and he makes up a, a, a ridiculous amount of ground. Absolutely crazy. Right.
0: There are nuggets in what has gone before. That is that is a fact, especially as it relates to Cheltenham Festival. And you were talking about that Martin Pipe demo. And uh, if I'd have watched the previous year's Martin Pipe before going all in on the Bosses Oscar this year, I would have reminded myself that it is an absolute cavalry charge where there is no such thing as a good thing. Yes. And that happens at Cheltenham more often than not, where you're on one and you've been fancying it all season. And then you look at these 30 odd horses line up and go, how am I going to win this? I thought it
1: was a good thing. And it was and a, a goddamn standing start at Martin Pipe. You've exactly <laughs> that's crazy exactly <laughs> exactly
0: you need you need stamina patience and uh, and and a good eye and uh, you know, uh, that's the beauty of the Cheltenham Festival. Uh, Don, the final word is going to go to you, but it, this is a bit cheeky because I'm just going to ask you for a dark horse. It doesn't have to be a Cheltenham Festival horse, although that's what we've been talking about, but a horse that's maybe under the radar. If you've mentioned it before, feel free to mention it again. If not, give us something to, uh, you know, we talked about longevity. These horses are around for a while. They don't have to win next time out.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I think Fakir Duderis is an underrated horse. I think... Two and a half miles is his trip. He tried three miles in the in the Savills Chase and travelled really well. The race at Apethard won, but he just didn't stay. And then he ran very well over two miles in a furlong. The last day, I think Joseph O'Brien has been talking about two and a half miles being his trip for quite a while. He won the Drinmore Chase as an novice, albeit Sam Crow departed the second last fence that day. But I just think he's he was he's, he's a he's a young horse. He was getting the allowance all all last year until he got to Cheltenham. Uh, he ran very well in the Arkle last year, but um, I think stepping up to two and a half miles is a thing for him. Look, he's, he's it's a it's a it's a big ask, but I just think he could be a, an underrated horse. Um, and I, I think if Deal Kerr runs in the Stairs Hurdle as well, I haven't backed him yet, and I'm not sure that they're going to run him in it. But I just thought his run behind Sam's Profile, who's also you know an interesting horse for the Stairs in the Galway Hurdle, was very good. He'd be a better horse and better ground. And there's no talk about him at all. But I think when when Beacon Edge won the the Navin race the last day, only did say that Deal Care was also in the in the mix for the Stairs Hurdle. So um, I just like he's a he's a massive price, and he may not run it, and he may not be that class. But I think he's he's probably he's probably a horse just worth keeping in mind because. Um, when for for when when the ground gets a wee bit better, so I, I think uh, those two might, like look that they're, they're they are. I think Aptuitard has got a massive chance in the Gold Cup, but he's now only a seven to one or an eight to one chance, um, and uh, I think put the kettle on is might be I think she's probably the one to chase Shackman Persoa home in the in the in the champion chase. She's a bit under the radar as well. I think she's a bit underrated. When she goes back to Cheltenham, she's i say she like she's three for three and on, on at the at the course and on 15, that. Yeah. Back. Um, but no, I, I yeah, I think there there are a couple of thoughts of ones that are maybe a wee bit under the radar.
0: I love that because I asked for one and I get four, <laughs> which, which is magic. So I really appreciate it, Don. No, that's great. Uh, Demo is a big fan of put the kettle on as well, and it goes back to what we were saying about Cheltenham. Festival form, Cheltenham form in itself, all being super, super important. Now, if you do want to catch more from uh, Don McLean, you can, of course, check out donmaclean.com and his Horses to Follow column is on bookmakers.co.uk every single week. Do check it out. It's been an absolute pleasure, Don, to have you on here. Thanks very much for coming back on to the race hour again after a, a bit of a sabbatical, although we know you've been busy elsewhere. We much uh, appreciate it. Uh, Dem and Nolan, again, thanks to you. Um, you've been listening to the race hour, a very special edition the Cheltenham Ramble with Don McLean, uh, brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk and of course tony Beck all the way to the cheltenham festival 2021 thank you very much gents this episode of the race hour was brought to you by tony Beck, our cheltenham festival sponsors for 2021 and whether it's the latest trends or hottest festival tips don't forget to visit bookmakers.co.uk where you'll be covered with top-notch insight before and throughout the week the cheltenham festival 21 on the race hour brought to you by tony Beck.